Hey, this is Adam Spiegelman. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Today's guest is Todd Yasui. He was the EP of The Ferguson Show and The Kilbourne Show. My boss at Queen Latifah. And uh, it's gr- he does a lot of great behind-the-scenes talk about TV shows. So if you like the behind-the-scenes stuff, this is the show for you. I was afraid that he would clam up, but he didn't. We both had this weird experience with Bill Cosby after the allegations. So we talk about that. Talks about his most difficult guests. We start that discussion with Todd telling the incredible story of how he got his first job in TV working for Helen Kushnick on the Jay Leno Tonight Show. If you like the episode, put it on Facebook or tweet it out. If you're new to the show, check out older episodes. All right, enjoy the show. Here you are, Todd Yasui, producer extraordinaire. Um, we'll talk about, let's talk about some of the things you produced. Now, okay. you, you were a segment producer on Leno. Started out a segment producer on Jay Leno's show in 1992. And now how did you end up there? How did, what's your origin story um, on that? It's a, it's a bizarre story. And, um, for podcast listeners, I'll give the, um, abbreviated yet, uh, interesting version. I, I graduated from college, uh, Washington, uh, in Washington, DC, George Washington university. Uh-huh. Didn't know what the hell I was going to do with my life. Had a worthless degree in business that I had no idea what I was going to do with. Um, someone told me to go apply at the Washington post to, for a temporary job to pay the bills. That's what I did. Ended up staying six years, uh, amazing job and ended up getting to write a lot and having a column every week. And on a dare from a an ex-girlfriend who had uh, done a lot of work in Hollywood doing publicity, she dared me to call Jay Leno's manager at the time, a woman named Helen Kushnick. The crazy. Who was made infamous. Uh, I call her Mercurial uh, as opposed to crazy. Uh-huh. Because she changed my life. And Helen um, was Leno's manager and was taking over as the new executive producer of The Tonight Show as Johnny was retiring. Uh, so I cold called her and got her on the phone and she thought that I was super annoying and super dumb for cold calling her and asking for a job on the tonight show. And because she was so dismissive of me on the phone, I immediately started to just kind of give her shit because at the time, whenever I would call any person and I would say my name and from the Washington post, they would usually show some degree of, you know, reverence to at least the institution, if not me. Um, and so I was used to people going, Ooh, being impressed when I called and she wasn't impressed at all. And she started kind of chastising me kind of like, what do you, you know, do you think this is how you get a job in TV? You don't just call up the person and like, you know, do you know anything about TV and everything? And the more she did that, the more I kind of started giving it back to her and saying, Oh, Helen, what do you do? You know? And she's like, what are you going to do to the tonight show? You know? And, uh, hope you don't blow it. Johnny's a hard act to follow. And I just started teasing her because I wasn't really looking for a job. Right, right. So, um, she said, well, listen, you know, what do you do there? And I started telling her what I did, which she found interesting, which was at the time I was the guy that everyone would go to if they wanted to get an article in this, in the style section of the post about arts and entertainment. So they had to come through my desk and then I would take it to the, the editors and see which ones they wanted to cover. So she said, give me your number, send me a resume. And I didn't have a resume cause I wasn't looking for a job. So I went home. And um, there was a message on my answering machine from her office saying, we really want that resume. Why, why do you think they wanted us about to show you? Well, I, I asked her finally what happened, but she, I, I, so I literally made up a resume, um, faxed it to her because this was 92 and she called me back 
an hour later and said, listen, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to move you to Hollywood. I'm going to make you a talent executive on the new Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Uh, And I said, oh my gosh, really? And I was stunned and amazed and didn't believe her and skeptical and thought she was lying or bullshitting me. And uh, I kept asking her questions and hesitating. And the more I did that, the more she said, you're you're crazy. You should come out here to LA. I'm changing your life. And there's a million people that want this job. And the tonight show has been closed for 29 years. And you know, there's, she said, I think I have a thousand applications for the talent department. And she said, I'm choosing you. And I was so skeptical that I kept saying, well, how much does it pay? And she goes, whatever you're making now, I'll double it. I was like, "Hmm, okay. (laughs) Um, and so I still didn't believe her. Uh huh. And I told her I need to think about it, which she, at that point, she said, you've got balls. I can't believe you're telling me that you need to think about this. Um, you have 24 hours. And so I, I was like, oh my God, that, that, that was weird. Uh, I don't, you know, there's, it can't be that true. You know, if there is something that good can't be true uh-huh. after talking to her on the phone for 20 minutes and basically battling with her. So, uh, I immediately called my sister in Philadelphia at, late at night to say, listen, this weird phone call I got, what should I do? She said, uh, oh, get a letter of intent. And I, I didn't even know what that was. So Really? Yeah. So I said, okay. And so I called this woman back the next day and said, I need a letter of intent from you that you're going to hire me before I say anything to my bosses here. And she thought, Helen Kushnick thought I was crazy and said, like, I can't believe you. Okay. So she had NBC fax me a letter saying that they were making me an offer. And, uh, I still hesitated and didn't know because I didn't, I was like, how, why would I give up everything I have here to move to Hollywood? I've never worked in this job before. And so I called her back and I said, listen, I'm really hesitant. Can, um, can I come see you? (laughs) And that's what she said. She (laughs) said, are you kidding me? I said, well, I just want to make sure who I'm dealing with. And you know, when you work at the Washington post from the time, you know, it was from the, it was the only job I ever knew. Right. They teach you to be skeptical. They teach you to be cynical. They, they teach you to look for the too good to be true thing and what's the real angle. Right. And that's all I was doing was like, this doesn't add up. The real angle is you challenged her. I did challenge that, her. And, beca- she, and she kind of liked it. But, yeah, because no one so does it. So finally I asked her, I said, you know, Helen, why, uh, just tell me how you decided to pick me. Your own admission was thousands of people want this job. Why would you pick me after a 20-minute phone conversation? And she had good answers. She said, number one, you're not a Hollywood insider, and I want somebody who's not tainted by Hollywood Uh and who doesn't owe a million favors to people. You don't have a million enemies, nor do you have a million friends, and that's good. Uh, She said, number two, you have a life and a breadth of knowledge outside of just showbiz. That's what I want for the new Tonight Show with Leno. And I like people who come from journalism because they're smart and they have good work ethic. And I said, okay, well, I still want to come see you. So uh, I, she's like, you're crazy, but okay, when? And I said, this weekend. This all happened in the course of two days. Wow. So I um, called my folks, b- borrowed some money to go a last-minute flight to L.A., right. came out here. She had a driver pick me up, uh, take me to Calabasas, where her house was, and sat me down for breakfast, and she was um, quite a character. Go rent The Late Shift if you want to no, see No, we talked about that on right. the show also. I got right. Robert Morton's on the show talking about The Late Shift. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So The Late Shift, um, Kathy Bates plays Helen Kushner. He says the problem with the, her portrayal of Helen Kushner is that it's not 
doesn't go far enough. I agree with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a funny thing is once people saw the movie, they all asked me, was she really like that? And I go, oh, that's the tip of the iceberg. Right. He said it's a lot worse. A oh, lot yeah. Worse. yeah. 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 What did you see? Some of the things you could talk about that you saw firsthand from her. Because apparently she was, just to be able to know, she was his manager. She was the first EP, but she was so horrible to people that they said she has to go. Is that basically? Well, yes. So yeah. rough, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, the general outline of it. And here's the thing. It's nothing that you can't read in the book The Late Shift by Bill Carter uh, or see in the HBO movie. But, yeah, Helen was, um, she was a really, really tough, tough lady. And she had a bedside manner that rubbed people the wrong way. How was it to work for her? How was it to be an employee? It was very, very odd for me because... When I got there to The Tonight Show, um, I was the new guy. I was the only person on that staff who had never worked in TV. I mean, obviously, you, you hire people that have experience, and I didn't. And because of that, um, Helen took a special interest in me. And the, the, the perfect way to describe it was I was an unwilling teacher's pet. So she completely coddled me and would call me. Like, we would be walking down the hallway with a group of us. And everyone was terrified of her. And so the group of people would all say, oh, hey, Helen. Hi, Helen. And she would look directly at me and just go, oh, hey, sweetie, come to my office with me and put her arm around me and steer me away from the group of my fellow coworkers into her office to talk to me. So how would they react to you? They reacted very coldly to me in the beginning. Uh -huh. And I, you know, I had that kind of look in my eyes like, hey, guys, it's not me, honest. I'm, I didn't ask for this. But it became a little, it became awkward in the beginning because Helen would very much uh, pull me into her office for conversations and discussions, and it created a lot of resentment. So she was personally, she was great to me, and she changed my life. But what really was her undoing was, was, was were, were several instances, and again, it's in the book, of a very, very bizarre behavior and erratic behavior. One being she kept going on Howard Stern's show every morning and trashing the NBC executives. And, and Howard being Howard, of course, it was great radio. So he would, yeah, and he would, he knew how to push the button. So he would pour gasoline on the fire and go, Helen, do you think they're treating you this way just because you're a woman? And, and she'd go, yeah, of course. And, you know, <laughs> and it was great radio. And Howard would, was constantly doing daily updates on the tonight show and, and kept calling Helen. Um, so that, that didn't sit well with NBC to be trashed on the show. Number two, she, um, this is a very infamous scene in the tonight show history. And it's in the movie is the Republican national convention was going on. And, um, they were doing it live on NBC. Tom Brokaw was the anchor. And the plan was that the convention would end at 1130 and they would go straight to a special live version of The Tonight Show. And we had a satellite for Tom Brokaw. So after he was done with his coverage he, in the act one, he was going to do a little comedy bit with us talking back and forth on satellite with Leno. So the, the, the Republican convention is live. We have a full audience who's sitting in the bleachers, you know, 250 plus people sitting in the bleachers, watching the monitors on the live. And Helen is pacing the floor because it's like 1128, 1129. And Ronald Reagan was giving a speech, like the keynote speech to the Republican convention. And Helen starts to lose her shit that they're going past their 1130 time. And she's really getting agitated and getting agitated. And she somehow gets the phone and uh, calls the like 
head of NBC News at the convention or something and starts yelling, you better get this windbag Reagan off the air soon. We got the Tonight Show is ready to go and you're cutting into our time. And he didn't take that too lightly and basically told her to F off. Um, and in a fit of anger, Helen just decided, well, you know what? I'm just going to pull the plug on the show tonight and we're not going to we're not going to do the show out of spite. So she made the call on her own without checking with anyone at NBC to cancel a live show that was scheduled to go on in the next five to 10 minutes. And they sold advertisers and they had, and so that was like uh, a huge final straw. And, um, then just to add one more really, really, really big log onto that pile. Um, she had been blackballing, uh, and she had told me I was a brand new talent executive. I didn't know how to book people necessarily or the, proper way to do it and she told myself and the other talent executives that if any celebrities did Arsenio Hall's show or Dennis Miller's show he had a late night show at the time that they would be blackballed from the tonight show and never be allowed on and that didn't sit well with the public never be on the show correct it was a because blackball. you know that all right so I saw that in the movie yes but that still goes on not never ever on the show but I mean, you, 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 have seen it. you, you it, have it, seen it with Kilborn and, and with uh, Well, here's Ferguson. the thing. The thing is, the answer is, it, 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 it goes on, but it's not spoken. So, in other words, no one would ever come out and say that. Uh-huh. They would, and, and Helen came out and said it. And finally, this guy, um, his name was Ken. I can't remember his last name. He was like uh, Trisha Yearwood and uh, Kenny Rogers' manager. He was a country music manager. When he got that note, he blew up and said, screw this this is horrible strong arm tactics and he basically went to the la times and blew the whistle and a big article came out and again that was kind of one of the those those incidences were like the final straws for her and so they they canned her right there and and uh it was an ugly scene what was it like for you after you're the teacher's pet unwillingly but i was it like when she left where this is where fate and luck and I don't know what else I can attribute it to, but well, this, this happened in September that she got fired and we started at the end of May. So we had only been on the air for three months and before they hired me, <clears throat> they, um, I said to them, Oh, FYI, I have a wedding in DC in September. I've kind of committed to doing it. Is it okay if I miss one Friday in September, three or four months from now? And they said, that's fine. So, I went to DC on a Friday morning for a wedding and Saturday morning, I get a phone call from one of my colleagues saying, you are so lucky you were not here. Helen lost her shit on the stage again last night in front of the audience. And they basically came in here and escorted her out and told her she's getting fired. And she came out of her office in a rage and basically got all the staff in the hallways and said, NBC says they're firing me. Um, F them. I'll, I'll take the show to Fox or ABC and um, anyone who's with me come to my office. And no one went to her office. Yeah. And the next thing my friend told me was she flew out in a rage and said, where's Yasui? And by the grace of God, I happened to have been 3,000 miles away in D.C. Because out of guilt and loyalty, who knows, I might have gone with her to to nowhere. Or she would have made you miserable. Or she would have made me miserable in a new place. But I wasn't there. 
thank God. Holy and shit. they, so that was, then I, I went, I had to go back to the work on a Monday and I called my friends ahead of time and said, did they, is she, is she gone? And they said, no, she's still walking around the offices, but she's got lawyers with her and there's NBC lawyers and there's a lot of closed door meetings. So I came back into work and I closed my door and just kept a low profile. And the next thing I know, I'm looking out my window on, in Alameda uh, Avenue out there in NBC and Burbank. And I see like Entertainment Tonight trucks and like <laughs> NBC local news trucks. It's like word gotten out that the Tonight Show fired their EP after almost and she's going four crazy. months on the air. And she's making quite a scene of it. And yeah, yeah. Security guards put her pictures up at the, at the entrances to make sure no one let her on the lot. Holy shit. And so I had my door closed. So the last time I saw Helen... Uh, I was on the phone with somebody and my door flung open and she just looks at me and she points at me and she goes, I'm promoting you to field producer and then slammed my door. And it was puzzling on a million reasons. For one, she's getting fired. She's on her way out, but she's telling me I'm getting a promotion. Number two, it was weird because we didn't, at the time we didn't have field producers on the tonight show and I had never done it. And I didn't even know what a field producer was. It didn't tell either. Yeah. So that was it. It was like, okay. And then she closed my door and I never saw her again. Did you get promoted to field producer? Absolutely not. There was no such role. But I did get promoted to segment producer. Oh, really? Yeah. The next, Based- the, like three days later, uh, they came to me and said, instead of just booking the people, why don't you book them and interview them for Jay? Yeah, that's the thing they do on Leno. So what right. I did or do when I work is I just interview them. I don't book them. Right. But, but right. it's a Leno thing that they Yeah, they Leno's staff was. Is that your fault? Is that because of you? I No, I, that's the way Johnny did it, too. That's oh, yeah. the way Carson did it. And so the, the, the EP that took Helen's place, Debbie Vickers, is the, she worked for Carson as a segment producer. Uh-huh. And so that's the way she booked and produced. So that's when she came to us and said, we're going to book and produce. So that's great for you because now you have these contacts. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Exactly. So but, that's the story. I said it was going to be brief, but it wasn't at all. No, it was really interesting. It's yeah. better than listening to talk about uh, bad movies. Bad movies. Yeah. Or uh, David Ariello, whatever the guy's name is. Yeah. <laughs> An actor I apparently love but can't say. But uh, so working there, it got better. People got over it. Why do you think Leno did so well? I mean, he, he did a really. Because he's broad success? American appeal. You know, I mean, that's the thing is, look, this is the, the funny thing is, is, is when I was working there and even after I was done working there, because, you know, I ended up working for Worldwide Pants, too. Um, my my friends who were in comedy and my showbiz friends were constantly kind of going, it's like, Jesus, how come Jay is so popular and does better in the ratings than Dave? And it's like, well, at you know. Why does, you know, uh, Ariana Grande sell more records than Bob Dylan? You know, why was according to Jim on the air for nine years and Arrested Development was on for two? You know, because the the masses out there in America, if they vote with their, their remote controls, they're getting the most broad safe entertainment as possible. But he was good. I mean, I I feel like he doesn't get much credit. No, here's the thing about Jay. Jay was probably in the top, easily in the top 10 stand-up comics of all time. Right. You know? No probably in the top five. Yeah. Um, but when you take on a job like The Tonight Show, um, I think that you're, you're, you're given the task and the assignment to appeal to as many people as possible. Jay used to say, being hip means that half the room doesn't get your jokes. And he never wants to be hit. He never wants that. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. about appealing to the biggest group of people. He fulfilled the the task that they gave him. 
which is get as many viewers to watch your show as possible. Now, in the process, did he tone down his comedy and his personality? Sure. But he's not the first guy to do that. I mean, no, he can do that in stand-up every weekend. Exactly. He can be himself. And, and Jay, in real life, is, is a little edgy. He's a little sarcastic. He's a little cynical. I mean, he's all the things that you didn't see. But that's a part of him. That nice guy is a part of him. He is a nice guy. He's a great guy to work for. Well, I heard, for. actually, uh, they wanted him to leave early so Fallon could start in February right after the Olympics. And his contract was to, through September. And they said... If you leave in February, we'll pay you t- through September. And he said, I'll only leave if you pay the entire staff until September. Yeah, that's what one of his staffers told me. That. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Too. I worked with a, a guy. But how amazing is that? And then, and but he always gets shit on, and it's like the Lenos and uh, the Lettermans and the you know, everyone else that I know. It's weird. Well, then they say he's a bad guy, and that Conan thing, he got a bad rap, right? Well, I mean, I mean, look when when you think about it, you know, the whole Conan thing was it. You can see both sides of it. You can understand. Why Jay was upset, saying, "If I'm the number one show, why you replace me?" It's that's human nature. I, I, you know, I doubt anyone's going to feel any differently. You can see why Conan was bummed out because it was like, "Well, wait a minute, you didn't give me enough chance, and you put his show in front of mine, which yes. diluted my chances, and now you're insulting me." So you can see both sides of it. So I do. I think Jay got a bad rap. Yeah, probably because he's doing what the boss has told him, and he's doing it well yeah. if he were if he were if he were tanking in the ratings and made a Wouldn't fuss leave. about it yeah then that's a different story but look if if you're doing the job your bosses tell you to do then and they come back to you and say this other thing's working not working out we want you to do that old job again what are you supposed to say right and no. he wasn't waiting yeah and they could have said no at any time and let him go yeah and again i can see conan's side of the view too which is sure. like well, wait a minute you never got a shot i never got a shot and um I think it's a little unrealistic that What's if that? if for Conan to assume that Jay would say, "Oh no, no, that's not fair. Let give Conan more chance." You <laughs> right. know what I mean? It's he's he's going to take what what they offer him, and so uh, yeah, I think Jay got a little bit of a bad rap. They should have fired Conan. I mean, beforehand, they shouldn't have done it. They could or have, they, they a, or they could have gotten rid of the ten o'clock show from Jay and seen seen how Conan did with a regular one hour you know whatever lead in for whatever. But they want to hold on to. Thing. They're like a bad boyfriend. They want to hold on to Leno. They don't want to let him go. But yeah, and he had so many great offers. I was at ABC at the time, and we thought he was going to go over there. And I was at Fox at the time, and we talked about him coming. And they to really want to. Yeah, I talked to. Uh, I'm going to name drop right here. Hold on, okay. Spike Firston. Okay. <laughs> the, but Spike Fierce, his he had a show that you produced, right? Correct. You ran it mm-hmm. and uh, every week. And he said, oh, I'm on this show because they're waiting for Leno or Kimmel to come over here. And then I would follow them immediately. Is that? Yeah. Well, well, that? yeah. The, the, the idea was with Fox at the time was, look, NBC did fairly well getting a really funny, clever writer like Conan, who was unknown and turning him into a five night a week uh, host. Maybe that's the way to go. Maybe the way to go is not to go after a big name and say, hey, you're going to host a show. Maybe we grow homegrown talent. And so they had, after Seinfeld's success, they had Spike, you know, one of his most prolific and influential writers. And they said, let's try this guy. Let's see what he's got. And let's try it once a week first. And if it, if he catches on, we can talk about stripping it for five nights a week. Or we can, you know, if we get a Conan or a Jay, it could be a good 1230 match for it. Uh-huh. Um, but we did three years of it on Saturday nights and, you know, 
again, I defy anyone to go up against Saturday Night Live and have a success. It's it's impossible. Is that what you think was wrong with it, or do you think he would? Do you think he could have had a shot anywhere else? I think Spike could have had a shot some other places. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, eleven o'clock on a on a Saturday night is a was eleven or eleven thirty. I guess it was, it was a, it was eleven. It must have been eleven. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's a that's a that's a it's rough, really rough, rough place to to get, compete. Um, but I'm proud of the show, and it was it was funny. I had the first I did the the first uh, six pilot. We did six pilots. Yeah. Why did they do six pilots? Because the idea was, if you're really really going to think of this guy as a possible five night a week host. Why do one episode for a pilot? You got to give him some breathing room. You got to give him some space. You got to give him some practice. And so I, you know, I promise them for a budget, I'll give you six short ones that you can really see what it's like on a, with that rhythm. You can't just, show, you know, do one episode and then go, oh, look, can you envision this five nights a week? Right. Um, so we, that's why we did six. What, what did you like about him? The writing, you know, I mean, I was brought in, I had just left Ferguson and, um, Fox asked, I said, you want to see this? You want to talk to us about a pilot for a late night show with a guy who's a writer. And I, my first thought to my agent was, I don't know, you know, first guy has never been on TV before I went to the meeting. Um, and then I, they told me everything about the show and him, and I still was kind of lukewarm. And then they said, well, just watch this little 10-minute presentation we shot. And they did it on the set of The Best Damn Sports Show. They just borrowed that set, uh-huh. and they had Spike sitting at a table reading some comedy. And the writing was really good. And I just I turned around literally in five seconds after watching it. I'm like, you know what? This did he write this stuff? And they said, yeah. And I go, I, I totally could work with this in, in figuring out how to, to, to help him be an on-camera guy, but it's all in the material and the material's there. So bring it on. Right. Because that part you can make better, but the Correct. humor and Correct. being actually right. funny. Content's king. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, and his content was there. And that's when I said, sign me up. And what do you think about Ferguson leaving? Do you think it was his time to leave, or do you think he should have stayed? I've heard conflicting stories. I've mm-hmm. heard um, from somebody there that they they weren't going to renew his contract anyway, right? Because they thought that when Colbert was taking over, they should have a new replacement. I've heard that he didn't sign or want to resign because he didn't get Dave's spot. Um, was he ever going to get Dave's spot? No. I don't think so. Not you, from what I've heard. I mean, I don't. I don't know the. the was there ever that feeling that he could? I, I don't think even the audience I had that believe, feeling. I believe. I believe he and his camp thought that was a possibility. Uh-huh. But again, I, I I haven't been around him in a while, so I can't say. This is right, purely right. based on oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. things I hear from people who are, are, are knowledgeable with the situation. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I mean, it it seems odd that. Um, it was announced that Colbert was taking over, and then, like I don't know, a month later, they announced he was not going to resign. So who knows? I, I don't know. But, but he you must know, have known Colbert was coming before, and before we did. For the pro- well, he, pro- I'm sure he knew that he wasn't getting the job before. I don't know. If he knew who. It and was. I think a good. I was trying to work out like signs that your show is going to get canceled. Right. One is that he took another job. He was a game show host. He, he took a game show. So it's like... He yeah, but I don't of, know that he saw that as a sign of trouble as much as a guy who's a little bored doing one format and uh-huh. wanted... Because look, look at look at Ellen. You know, she's developing sitcoms and game shows and, you know, a lot of... I, I think there's a performer's um, anxiety of, I have to do as much as I can now because you never know when it's going away. Uh-huh. Especially when she hit... 50 something i think craig's 52 and you know i think that it's like look if i can keep doing more 
No, they, they're only doing the show three days, four days a week. Uh-huh. And so it's like, oh, I want to get something bigger. And then they see these other performers who have a show, but they're raking in a gazillion dollars with a side project. And so right. why not? So I don't, I don't know that that was the impetus of him saying, oh, this is going to end, so I better get something. He's always been ambitious and has always had multiple projects. Right, he's written on. books and movies. Since written books and shows. movies, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but it's a whole new world out there in late night comedy. Where do you see it in five years? Difficult to say. My biggest fascination is um, when you watch The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, um, it's a different animal. It's, it's, it's complete wall-to-wall dog and pony show, goofy antics where the guests have to get up and do something. And, and same now with Ellen's show and then Fallon's show. I mean, uh, um, Kimmel's show. And my question is, how can any show sustain this level of what I call manic energy? You know what I mean? Where the yeah. guest comes out and they've got to do something wacky. Uh, you know, they've raised the bar so much that is there going to be some kind of backlash from the publicity people at some point and the agents going in the celebs themselves going like, good Lord, can I just fucking go down and talk? Do I have to go play beer pong with a, a <laughs> Viking helmet on? I think right now it's in the different places. It's a place of, we want to do that because it's right. getting viral hits and it's getting stuff. So they're like, right. how can my client do this? Or let me give you stuff for them right, to do. Right. But it, it should come around to like, I don't want to do the work. At what point is it too much? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know the answer to that yet. But when you look at, when you look at the kind of manic energy and, and in semi juvenile antics that they all put the guests through now, mm-hmm. it really, when you look at it and in a blink of an eye, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno and Letterman show suddenly became archaic and old school. You right, know what just I mean? talking, you're just, just talking. talking. And a Two host seconds. who just talks and tells jokes and yeah, doesn't yeah. get up and play guitar or act in a sketch. But for or, Fallon, it makes sense because that's who he is. And that's how he, you know, was able to redefine The Tonight Show. And, and you He know, had to. He what's had to make it fascinating to me is that when I came into the business with Leno in 92 and Johnny was on his way out, it was just for the next year, it was nothing but the media whining about, oh, don't we miss Johnny? Oh my gosh, what's Johnny gonna do next? Oh my gosh, they new guys ruined this this great institution. And it was just all about Johnny, 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 how much we missed him. And what's amazing to me is I don't know about you, but I haven't really heard like any peep of nostalgia or anything for the Jay Leno version of the Tonight Show. Like, you know, oh, I miss Jay or I miss it. And it's like uh, the guy put in 19, 20 years or whatever of solid, you know, number one show work. And yet it's like, it's almost like that he wasn't even there. People, all they do is talk about the now Tonight Show. Yeah, I I, I think Jay Leno's got this jip thing in history of not being cool or whatever it is. And that, and I'm sure the people, I'm sure the people watching Conan, and I'm not shitting on Conan, but when he took over the Tonight Show, they were like, "Where the fuck is our guy?" Because right. it was too heady and too. But it, he, he isn't heady, but it seems that way. Right, right. But and I think that I don't know that either. Those people are not watching TV anymore. The Leno people, right. or they like this, or they might cr- like Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, and you know, look, Fallon is not edgy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's he's very likable and he's not very edgy, no. for the masses, but they're creative and they're look, they're they're 
they're they're doing what people like to see, which is celebrities being self-deprecating and mocking themselves and being silly. And especially that 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 formula goes down very well late at night at the end of the day when all you want to do is turn your mind off. But it right? used to be all you want to do is sit and watch Jay have a conversation with somebody. I know. And again, yeah. it's just fascinating to me that you don't hear. And, and unfortunately, I have a feeling that it's going to be the same with Dave. It's like Jay and Dave are are like the former heavyweight champions you know, who have kind of retired and now everyone's switched over to the MMA. Yeah. yeah. No, no one watches boxing anymore. They're under this new thing, the MMA. Um, because those two were the heavyweights. Right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. So the now MMA is, is the new era, uh, yeah. uh, an era of MMA fighters who are extremely popular. And yet I can't really tell the difference between them all, <laughs> you know? Right. But if you're in it, right. that would, that would and it's fascinating to me too, about Colbert as a host, who's not playing a character and he's, he's an intellectual talker. Yeah. And so in, in Corden, I don't know anything about Corden. Um, I know, so, they, I know their phone doesn't work. <laughs> Cause they didn't call you back. No, yes. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Those two, the, those two guys against uh, Fallon and Seth Myers is a fascinating, there couldn't be a more uh, clear cut difference of your choices between the two. And I, I think he's going to bring it back. Cause I think, he he's not going to play beer pong and basketball with, you know, whatever. Flip Wilson's the only name that keeps in my head with George Clooney. <laughs> Flip Wilson, I'm glad you're current. <laughs> I'm really hip on the, yeah, the live celebrities. But he, um, yeah, I think you're right because he would be the saving grace. I think to that, if you don't want games or whatever, if you don't want involved. wackiness, maybe yeah, maybe you turn into Colbert for some, you know, or it might backfire like Conan, where people are like, oh, it's too smart. You know, yeah, it's going to be fascinating, and it's frankly, the genre of late night TV has evolved, and well, frankly, all of TV has evolved to the point where it's 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 anybody's game, really. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. You can have a show on Bravo now. You know, watch for what happens cents. live. Or exactly for four cents, and you still get a lot of viewers. The audience is just too fragmented. There's too many choices. But a lot of viewers, it's just it's enough to make money on. It's not really a lot. Of, and but it's he's still relevant. Bad. It makes so say a hundred thousand people watch the show. He's still they report on things he talks about because it's a good absolutely. show. And absolutely, and so he stays relevant. And, well, on Adult Swim too, you've got yeah, Adult yeah. Swim as a choice for people. Uh, there's just there's so many choices right now. There's no clear cut heavyweights anymore. Uh, and so you worked on. The show called the Queen Latifah show. No, yeah. but you think the same thing is happening at daytime? I, I work for Absolutely. Queen Latifah. That, Absolutely. Because that was changing. Audience it, fatigue. Yeah. I mean, you can't, again, what, how many shows are you going to have where the format is the host comes out, talks, and then you have guests and you have celebrity guests and then you might have like human interest guests. I mean, there's only so many ways you can do that and there's too many choices. And what do you so, think could have saved that show? The Queen Latifah show? Yeah, or is that something? Uh, I think that uh, maybe a little more time. You know, I think that it was it was just finding, uh, you know, full disclosure, we both worked on the show. Yeah. And you would agree with me that she she and the show were finding their groove. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. um, these shows take a while to ramp up. It takes, you know, I, Ellen show was not Ellen's show until like year three. You know what I mean? Right, but they had a weird advantage because I, I was on a show that started also. That nobody wanted to be on, but from some because we were a new show and no one knew. But everyone wanted to be on Ellen, and she was getting huge stars before she was ready for huge stars before the show had the ratings. It's very bizarre. Well, I mean, again, I think it's all about like if if 
you, you know publicists as well as I do. Yeah, yeah. When they make that decision, they're asking themselves a very simple question. What's in it for us? What's, uh -huh. in, what's in it for us in terms of selling the project we want? What's in it for us in terms of getting an image across that we want to get across or to dispel an image? So it's all about what can, what can, what does my client get out of this? So in Ellen's case, if the ratings weren't that great when she started, but they thought that she made her guests look good. Okay. Then I'm going to have my client go on a show and appear to be witty and funny because Ellen's a good sparring partner. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, what's your rating? What's your rating? What's your rating? How many eyeballs? If you if you represent um, Kristen Stewart for her next project, mm -hmm. and she has told you, I will do one month of press, and that's it. And in that month, I don't want to leave L.A., and I would only want to do a maximum of two TV appearances. Now, if it, Now, you've got... 15 different shows calling you right. and saying, we want her on the show to promote. What is your first thing you do is Well, how many eyeballs will I reach if I do Ellen versus how many eyeballs will I reach if I do Jimmy Fallon's? I can only, Oh, Fallon's in New York. So that, okay. Now I've got Conan and Jimmy Kimmel. What do I do? Who has more eyeballs selling the product, man? Uh -huh. That's yeah, what it is. But we got a lot of great guests. Why do you think she got so many good because guests? Because she's so well-liked in the industry, you know? Yeah, and I don't think people care. You know, and the thing is, is you, you know, the, every single person that went on that show either had a great experience with her on a project they worked with, and, I mean, hands down, everyone would say, oh, my God, I had such a good time when I did this movie with her, when I did this record with her, when I did this TV show with her. And then the ones who hadn't met her before, they all left and said, oh, my gosh, she's so nice. She's so awesome. She's so down to earth. And she is all those well, things. Well, they grew up a huge fan of hers. But I never had a show where so many guests said to me afterwards, this was an amazing experience. She's amazing. Joe Montani is like, I love her. He gave her a medal, that a uh, military medal that he got. Right. That they give each other. I don't right. really understand. But he brought that just because the last time she was on, she, he was... He was on. She was so great. And you've worked on shows where people came off after the interview and didn't say that to you, as have I, where they didn't say that was amazing. The opposite. The opposite. Were you fighting with publicists? Yes. Yeah, I and had so a... You, we, we won't say names. We won't say who, but I'm but sure that's look what... Go to IMDb and figure it out. Oh, should we gossip about celebrities who've sure. done the show that you've yeah, worked yeah. with? Do you have a name? Oh, I've got four dozen names. Well, who do you want to out? Who do I want to out as someone who wasn't nice to work with? Okay, Steven Seagal. <laughs> Come on. We think the, the people won't hurt our careers at all. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I didn't have a very good experience with Steven Seagal. What I had, to, I had to interview him for it. I had to interview him, do the pre-interview. <laughs> and at the time, this was in the early 90s, he was probably at the height of his career and fame. And at the time, there was an article that had come out in a magazine, and it might have been Esquire, I don't remember, but it was a very critical article basically saying, this guy is so full of shit. He claims he was in the CIA, and that's the perfect thing to claim, because when you check with the CIA, they will neither confirm deny or deny. <laughs> they won't confirm or deny. Oh, that's hilarious. They just say, we don't comment, therefore, yeah. you, you have a ruse that can last a lifetime. Uh -huh. So this article... And then this article also um, started to talk about um, his ties to some very shady people and how he got he made up the story about being Mike Ovitz's bodyguard. And that, that wasn't I, true. I have no idea. This article was saying that he made up all these lies and then he got financing from shady characters. So 
I'm trying to ask him questions over the phone, and he's basically grunting one-word answers or just saying, I don't want to talk about that. And I was having such a hard time on the phone. I said, well, did you ever think of... uh, I, I always figured this is a great backdoor to a celebrity when you have to ask him a sensitive question. And you and I had this situation together with Bill Cosby. Um, but you have to figure out what's the best polite backdoor way in to ask something controversial or anything. Yeah. So he was being so non-compliant on the phone with this interview that I finally was just saying, well, have you ever, or did you ever think you should write an autobiography? Were you ever going to write an autobiography to kind of like, you know, clear up so many misconceptions about <laughs> you and philosophies and about yeah, your yeah. life and everything? And he said, um, no, no, I never do that. Like, what kind of, what are you talking about? And I said, well, like, for instance, this article that just came out and this, and he went off on a very violent, profane rant about what this writer was, uh, the names he called this writer, and how, if he wanted to, he could arrange to have things happen to this writer, and all this stuff. And I was listening to this with my mouth on the floor going, like, I can't believe he's saying this stuff. And then he started saying about how this guy doesn't know anything and that, you know, he doesn't tell anybody this, but, you know, he might have to do this secret mission. <laughs> Started talking about this government medal that he might get and the secret mission. And I'm listening to this and it's just, I, I'm like, oh my God, this is just he, like, he's serious and he believes all this and I, I'll go along for a while. And then I said something that infuriated him, which made me laugh because he kept referring to the secret mission. And I said, look, just... Uh, humor me here but i'm just trying to figure this out like how does a guy who's as famous as you do any kind of secret mission like wouldn't you like be hiding behind a tree with a, a, a sniper rifle and some some foreign guy would look and go ah look there's steven seagal and he got really he's like no you idiot that's not the way you don't know anything that's not the way it's not like spy movies and he just started berating me about how i didn't understand his secret mission life um And it was just the worst pre-interview I've ever had in my life. Uh, And it didn't get easier once he got to the show wearing his, you know, kimono. And I called him Moo, but, (laughs) but he was Uh, good on air. No, (laughs) no, I've had some do you crazy warn? Do you warn? How do you warn? People oh, absolutely! Yeah, I yeah. warn the hosts. Oh, yeah. sometimes I'll say to the host, "Hey, FYI, they're really grumpy. They're pissed off." Yeah, but you don't want to freak them out, so you always go. But I think they'll be great once they get out there. Oh, you I got busted! And they're like, that. you thought they'd be great. I, was like, I know exactly. It's like <laughs> I was I trying to make. You're the one who booked them. I, I didn't want to book throw them. off your game, but uh, do you want to tell people about your Cosby experience? Let's talk about Cosby. So Cosby, uh, <laughs> Cosby is going to be on our show, and it's at the time when Hannibal Burris's viral video just went had viral just come out yeah and the just, timing couldn't have been worse right yes well or better because better you guys would have held that show for eight months and then we couldn't air it right so uh he that became hot and then the day before the pre-interview it was re- a woman came out the first woman right. comes out and so the you or somebody else comes into my office to warn me that this article is out there now Probably. i had seen the hannibal burris thing but at the time it was just a funny joke it was something you could ignore yes. at that time. And yeah. then the article comes out about the woman that claims he did these things to her. And it's, but it's from, a, and then the next thing I say to my producers is, wait a minute, this is from The Guardian. Isn't that a British newspaper? And the answer was yes. And I go, well, has this news hit the States? Is this just some British thing that it's never going to end? 
the answer was we don't know we'll keep tracking it right Right. it was that's a fair answer it wasn't me who said it so i'm not trying to backtrack right. but it is a fair answer because you because we wanted him to be on the show we wanted well, it to be good, and so the other thing like, was is i didn't want to 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 blow the alarm whistle unless there was an alarm it was starting so at that point right. it wasn't that right. big and i so my question was has it hit i think it might have been uh, our co-ep and I, Anthony, and I think I said, "Hey, this is a British newspaper. Can you guys keep monitoring the U.S. That's what I was told. Stuff, right? If it gets on TMZ, to he's see out. if it's on TMZ or Deadline Hollywood, yeah, then it's a real story. Because my point was, oh, I know what it was. We immediately Googled the story, and it wasn't in any U.S. publications yet. And my thing was, look." If there's any validity to this, some U.S. news organization is going to pick it up yeah, and yeah. run with it. And at the time, that night we were looking, no, nobody had yet. But then, what happened? Well, the next, the it next day, to get picked up. So we, I'm doing the pre-interview, and you sat with me because you were supposed to ask him to talk about the rape. That's the what I was alleged, told. The alleged event, events. But I was told you were going to be there, and you were going to do it, so I was off the hook. Right. So I was like, oh, this is great. That's not on me at all. I'll just ask the fun questions. And I didn't say anything. No, you sat down and said to me, you go ahead and do it. You'll be great. <laughs> That's like, it. Fuck. I passed it back to you. Yeah. I was like, shit. So, and that was a very awkward pre-interview. Yeah. It was awkward, too, because I was sitting in your office. Yeah. Just, Here's the boss just sitting there well, I'm listening it. to you while I? you do so your pre-interview. all the listeners, how good was I as a pre-interview? It was all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was passable. <laughs> but uh, no, that was a weird situation. And then I was like, okay, just say it this way. To So basically what the, the goal was, we couldn't let him off the hook by coming on the show and not talking about the incidents. The incidents of happening, but it wasn't big enough. It isn't what it is now. Right. It isn't what it is now. In other words, there was only three women who said it instead of 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was a big enough deal that we thought we're going to make it will look bad for our show and for Queen Latifah if she has him on and doesn't say something about it, right? Mm -hmm. So the task that I gave to you was figure out a way to ask Bill Cosby if he's comfortable talking about those allegations. So after a long, regular pre-interview with him and interesting and all that crazy, crazy Bill Cosby stuff you put up with in the old days because he's such a great guest, you put up with him berating right. you and telling us a stupid right. question or whatever. He, uh, I said... There's things out there that people put out there right. that I think, why don't we talk about things that are, we don't need to talk about things that are put out there. And That's he, right. right. He got That's real defensive. Right. Right. Like, you could if you had pushed me to call back and ask, I would have done it at that point. Uh, I felt but, sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. I felt sorry for you. Yeah. I didn't want to force it. And so then. I felt like I should. After it was like, fuck. We came done. back and we, we told our bosses. We broached the subject, but he kind of deferred and said no. And it was so early that we can get away with that. Right. 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 At this point. But then more came out, right? Did more, more came out during the day. More during the oh, day. Oh, no, a woman from uh, like the Huffington Post or Jezebel or something wrote an, an oh, article it was. about how shouldn't we stop caring about Bill Cosby. Right, right. So a woman writes this article about... About he's why are we still at... He's allegedly he, done some things. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. to teach you the, the rules of, of libel and allegedly. slander. Yes. So uh, his publicist calls me. Right. Who's a big publicist and says... There's things out there, including this woman, and you right. shouldn't uh, saying these horrible things. And if you want to cancel her, that's okay. 
Right. So and you put then, it on us. And then and then I said, no, we don't want to cancel. No, no. Well, I said that to him, too. I said, right. we don't want to cancel. In fact, this is the right. best place for him. Now I have balls. Now right. That you, That's it. It you, said, you said to the publicist, we want to know if he will talk about it. And the publicist says, I have to leave that up to, to Mr. Cosby, right? And he said, and there's lawyers and things. It's too big to say yes or no. It's not like, right. you know. And then you get a call back now, right? I get a call. I get wait. I get a call from the publicist. Another call from assistant saying, "Let me send you that article from the woman, so you'll want to cancel." And right. I go, "Oh no, no! I want an answer." Right. Everyone's waiting, and then we get a call from uh, Bill Cosby himself. Right. Um, no pun intended. And he, he calls you. He calls me, and he's like, "I don't. We're not." And it sounds different than he did in the morning, right? Didn't he sound different? Maybe mm-hmm. he was stressed, or was the end of the day. people or, do things yeah. at the end of the day. Sure. But he did, his voice was different. And he's like, we don't, I don't want to do the show because I don't, you know, what's going on, this craziness and da 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 And I, and I was, I don't want to say it was good of him, but he was like, I don't want to put Queen in a bad situation because we had all right. these scenarios. And, and one he, was, the funny part was, is you were sitting in my office while you were talking to him with two other people. Two other, my bosses. Two other bosses. <laughs> yeah. So you and three of your bosses are sitting in my office listening we're listening to you one-ended conversation with bill cosby oh yeah no, oh, and, was there a lot of that yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know well, that's great okay um but yeah you know he, we don't want to do it i don't want because we were going to have her come out the audience and say he said he doesn't want to talk about it right. he said i don't want her to have to do that and right. he doesn't want to put her in a bad situation. so he at this point he's now trying to get out of the booking yeah and we're trying to save the booking and talk about it because we know it could be huge ratings and but he did the right thing by canceling because Instead of trying to get us to cancel, that was kind of shady, I thought. He, listen, he didn't want to do it, so he should cancel. Right. We want to do it. So we want to do it, but only if he was going to address it, because right. it would be remiss of us to do And he was smart it. to say, I'm not, whatever he did. Right. So then he says goodbye to me, and then he goes, Todd, because he knew you were in the room, and I thought he was going to say something quick to you, like a quick goodbye. So I take it off speaker, and I hand you my phone, and then you get, like, fucking gold. Then he talks for about between five to ten minutes to me straight without stopping and here's a funny thing is that i was sitting there shaking my head listening to all this and smiling and you and mouthing oh my god to you guys and you guys were all going put it on speaker oh you put heard it on me speaker you saw when i kept pressing my my palm meaning you guys speaker. wanted me to put it on speaker so you could hear i'm shaking i didn't todd hear what i'm saying i'm saying speaker i'm sitting right in front of him and i just couldn't believe i was listening to bill cosby say all this stuff to me no um, he loves queen he said great things about queen he and, did and this final thing he said I, it he said it again i know but should i say that if, he I don't know it, if I should said say it. It. Let's it. leave it for let's leave it for another chapter. All right, but he but did use that joke later on. People with him. Got, uh, in an, he said in a concert. He said, um, "Oh yeah, he said it in a concert." He said, "You better not take a drink that I, I give you." Or, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what he said. Then. He said, but he said it first on our show. So yeah. I just want to take some. He credit. said it first to me. To you. And again, picking my jaw up off the ground, like, wow, that's a ballsy joke. And the three point. of us are like, why doesn't he hear us? It's speaker. <laughs> oh, thanks for uh, talking. Yeah, this is fun. See you. All right. Adam, that, we're, we're out of time for this interview. Thanks for listening to Proudly Resents. Make a comment or suggest a film at reachadam at mac.com or on our comment line. You ready? Get a pencil. <laughs> I'll wait. Okay. Got one? Okay. 646 481 547
six. Keep it clean and short. We might air it. Join us on Facebook or be old school and go to our website, proudlyresents.com. If you like the show, put the episode up on your Twitter, Facebook, stumble upon, dig, you know, all those things. Tell a friend, I'm Eddie Pepitone, and my Twitter account is at Eddie Pepitone.